Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is episode number 175. On this episode, I've got an awesome conversation with Johnny of the band Nightly. Um, I feel like you guys might know of Nightly, you just don't realize you know of them. Uh, they've had a few collabs that have done really, really well. They've got a few of their own original songs that are doing really, really well. Um, they're still kind of flying under the radar though, so really want you guys to pay attention in this episode. Hopefully go check them out and maybe you'll become a fan. Um, they're super dope. So, uh, Johnny and I talked about a lot. We talked about everything from kind of building this underground following, doing collabs and expanding their soundscape and their, uh, just their musical reach in general, uh, by not sticking to a very rigid and strict, uh, genre box or anything like that. Um, talked about their upcoming headlining tour, self-producing their album that drops here in just a couple days as of this episode going live, um, and a lot more. So, you know, really want you guys to dive into this one, really enjoy it, and I think that they're a band that most people, even if you just need some background noise that's appropriate for the office and, you know, whatever... Uh, this is a band that you should have on your radar for sure. So let's dive into it. This is my conversation with Johnny of the band Nightly. Uh, so for anyone that's not familiar with you guys yet, let's start with the same boring introduction question. Who are you? And just a little background on yourself. Yeah, so I'm, I'm Johnny. I'm in a band called Nightly. There's three of us in the band. It's me, my cousin Joey, who plays guitar. And then uh, we have a drummer, Nick. So yeah, we're based out of Nashville. We started, we wrote our first song in 2016 and just kind of been doing our thing since then, man. Um, Joey and I grew up outside of Philadelphia and Nick grew up in Youngstown, Ohio. Mm-hmm. We all kind of met and formed in Nashville. Um, yeah, so we've just been kind of rocking on since then. Yeah. And I think, you know, the interesting thing with you guys that I've I've noticed so far is for me personally, I found out about you this way as well. I found out about you through the collabs that you've done. Um, so like working with AOK and some of those people. Um, interestingly, when I've been bragging that I'm talking to you today, uh, I've been showing it to friends and whatnot over the last you know week or so, whatever. And a lot of them are like, oh, like. I have heard them before. I didn't know their name. And I think it's really interesting because like you've got apparently this, this underground background following that people know you, but they don't know you yet. Yeah, no, for sure. I definitely feel like we are very underground still, you know, in a lot of ways, which is just one of those things where, you know, it's, I guess, connecting the dots but the people people who love us love us and that's uh that's something that we're super you know fortunate for and proud of but yeah no i i mean i don't know like i think in the in the world of playlisting and things like that it's 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 not uncommon but um and then as far as the collabs yeah aok is a good friend alex um 
was one of like the first collab. It was the first collab we've ever done, I think. And we've done two with him, but I've also done several writing trips with him and uh, some of his squad, you know, we, we're all, all friends like the Quinn 92 camp. And, and yeah. Uh, so yeah, Alex is great. And as far as collabs, man, I mean, I just like making music. So I love making music in our band and then have been fortunate enough to be able to do it with some other people. And I think it's cool when you, you cross over into somebody else's world, it's almost like uh, when, you know, Marvel comics, like have like, you know, <laughs> characters yeah. overlap in like, there are other universes and stuff and it's just fun to kind of step into that role sometimes. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, it, it broadens the potential fan base too, right? Like there are a prime example being uh, Ed Sheeran fans that are fans of bring me the horizon now because they did the collab and redid the, the song. And it's like, if you would have told me five years ago, six years ago, whatever, that Ed Sheeran fans are going to like Bring Me the Horizon, I never would have believed it. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I think it, it's so cool. And especially like in the, the time that we're in now, like the digital age of music, streaming platforms, all that, like having these collabs, especially to your point with playlisting and whatnot now, now I'm showing up on these other playlists that isn't really our sound, but right. people are going to start clicking the name and go, well, who is that? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I've definitely found some artists that way. And I think to me too, it's, it's being less strict about, you know, what it means to be in a genre or whatever. And it's all just sort of generalized creativity. You know what I mean? And I'm, I want to take a part in that. Like you see now country artists with, like rappers and you know like you said I've seen even uh some of the like there's this country artist named Hardy and he'll have mm -hmm. little, there's like a like a scream section on like certain songs and you know it's like it's crazy but it's like I, I like it because just people having fun you know and making cool you know it's like making a meal where it's like I wouldn't think to add these two things together these two ingredients but they kind of make a cool there's an outcome that's like an interesting flavor and interesting color painted when you add these two things because at least particularly with the AOK -okay stuff you know we weren't really dance oriented at all um right. so to get into that world is just fun and yeah so I mean I, I think it's dope I think it's dope that people are doing it more and we actually have a bunch more collaborations coming out in the next, like probably a call. I know we have at least two coming out this year. And then there was another one that we did as well. So, I mean, we're always doing them just because I think they're fun. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, to your point on the genres, I hate using genre labels anymore because nobody fits in the box anyway. So like for you guys, okay, you're pop rock, but are you? your indie rock, your dream rock, your, you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. so many things that you really are um, that it's not like it was, you know, back in the, the eighties where you could clearly look at a band and be like, okay, you're hair metal. Okay. You're, you know, top 40 radio. Like we know what you are. Yeah, totally. I heard, I heard somebody talking about it, that it was more so just for practical reasons, like mm -hmm. categorizing things in like actual record stores where it's like, I want something that is rock. So it's like, here's the rock, even though rock, you know, has a spectrum and stuff as well, but yeah. it's like, I know what section to look for in a record store. And obviously we don't 
have that anymore. Maybe again with like playlists, I guess people might, but I just don't know that many people who love only one type of music, you know, where it's like, I only want to listen to acoustic music or I would right. you know, say, I don't know, there's a good mix. So yeah, I feel like genres, not a bad thing by any means, but it, it shouldn't be something that restrains you, you know, like why not try new stuff out? Yeah, for sure. And I, I think post pandemic, especially like the pandemic where everybody was forced to, to be at home and work from home and whatever. I mean, music was on in the background for everybody. So I think it opened a lot of people to different sounds because they got burnt out on what they traditionally listened to. And then they went digging into more stuff. Um, and I think, you know, too, with, again, the evolution of time, like, being an artist like you guys that is kind of touching in these different soundscapes it opens the door possibilities for tours and things like that now I don't have to go on tour a because they all sound like me I can go on this other tour because we've done some stuff in that area 100% none of our none of our tours have really been in similar genres as us or I I mean, maybe a couple that have been similar genre, but we've definitely always toured in, you know, with with acts that like you wouldn't think normally. And it's cool because I think it adds something to the show, you know, to have that variety. So, yeah, I, to I totally agree with that. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the move to Nashville, right? So coming from from Pennsylvania and Ohio, um getting into what arguably is one of the most diverse musical hubs in the world right now what was that transition like for you guys and finding your kind of your place and those songwriting circles and even just the venues to play shows yeah I mean we so Joey and I we were always kind of in love with the idea of being in a band we I mean, from like, uh, for as long as I can remember, it's, it's what we wanted to do. And, you know, it was like, when kids get out of school, it's like some people are like playing sports, some people are playing, you know, video games and all that stuff. And for us, it was like, we just wanted to play music after. So we would, you know, be in little bands and, you know, garage bands that never really played shows or played shows in bowling alleys or whatever. And right. <laughs> So it's like, you know, music and skateboarding and stuff like that, like that was just fun. And that feeling just never really left for us. So we, yeah, we had played, like I said, just in high school and even really, I guess, before high school in little bands and things and, you know, get, get to the point where you're like kind of trading shows with like other local bands, things like that, where it's like we play shows in South Jersey and then trade with the show, you know, in Pittsburgh, whatever. So we'd kind of, we'd kind of been doing that a little bit just, um, and then, you know, you get to a point where it's like you meet somebody who's in a touring band, right? Like you get asked to open as like the local opener for a touring band. Mm -hmm. I just remember my mind being like open to the idea that like obviously you knew that you could like travel but the fact that like people did this as you know their full-time thing was not really common where we were from like there was a lot of there was a big like cover band scene <clears throat> um excuse me just because it's like Jersey Shore like 
you know, lots of clubs, bars, and like cover bands up there make really good money and they're actually really good too. It's crazy. We had a buddy who he might even still be in one, but they would like, they would make like a thousand bucks each a night and play like, you know, three, four nights a week playing covers at like the Borgata, you know, or somewhere in Atlantic City or something. But other than that, it was kind of like if you wanted to be in music, you know, the only career that I knew of was like being a music teacher or something. And that wasn't interesting to me at all. But um, all that to say, we'd kind of been trading some shows around and we ended up coming down to Nashville. And it felt like at the time, you know, like Disney World for like a musician, because you're just there's so much music that's baked into like the culture you know it's obviously it's coined like music city and there's like the things that you like lock your bike up in will be like instead of just looking normal they'll look like music notes or like music faders and there's you know streets that you drive down and it's like the johnny cash museum the you know country music hall of fame um you know and you'll see record labels and all this stuff and it's like whoa this is like and they're literally streets that are just buildings, um, like publishing company, you know, mm-hmm. that, that publishing companies own. Yeah. And they're just called like writer's rooms. So these people literally, their full-time job is just to go to these little studios, little rooms and write songs, you know, show up 10, 11 a.m., write a song or two and go home. And I'm like that to me as like a kid felt like again it was like going to disney where you're like yeah i love what you know i'm not like a huge disney person or anything but i have uh i have two sisters and a brother um so i've i've seen all of i love disney but you know what i'm saying but it's like when you're like watching the movies and then you go to disney world you're like all this stuff is like actually real now and that's kind of how it felt in nashville where it was like okay i love listening to you know, music and, and, and bands and discovering bands and stuff, but to go to the place where these bands, you know, made their records, you can see Blackbird studio, um, where all these icons, you know, uh, yeah, I've made music Kings of Leon and, and just, there's like, uh, RCA's historic studio, a, like all that stuff. So it just felt, it felt to me crazy like inspiring and everybody's it's one of those things where everybody's in music a lot of people are right so you have people who are kind of mood lighting as musicians but their day job is whatever bartender like waiter and stuff so it was really easy so we played a show down here and it was just in like a garage or something you know what I mean but it was still cool to see the city so I remember Joe and I, um, we were like, let's like save up some money and then let's go down to Nashville for like three, three months and just see, you know, three to six months, see how we like it. And we'll just come back after. And we just never, we never left. Cause it was, it was really inspiring and being around the level of musicianship and songwriting that's here, I think has been super instrumental in just like helping us grow, you know? Yeah. And, and also like in so many ways, I mean, one, just the level, the skill level, but then there's also like, not to go back, but like the collaboration aspect. Cause when you're, when you're just a, a band from wherever USA, you know, Youngstown, Ohio, 
it's not really like co-writing isn't like a thing you know what i mean there's not like you're not learning how to write a song you're just getting to go with your buddies and sing what comes out you know and that's that's the song there's not really much else to it right maybe working with a producer or something but so i think just the um how collaborative it is was really eye-opening to us and and you you learn like how to get better and you kind of have to because it's like if you're not at a certain level then you sort of get drowned out right yeah so we we love it down here and it certainly like continues to expand and now now i mean there obviously is a ton this is like the country music kind of capital but there's so many other bands that we're friends with and artists of of all different genres so it's it's been cool to see it expand and just have a great scene for musicians to develop but then also for for live music there's a ton of great venues and stuff yeah yeah and i that's something i wanted to touch on too is you know i think there's a a misunderstanding a misconception or uh assumption that nashville is country music because that's what the media has always portrayed it as yeah but you know nashville today to your point there's so many different artists that are coming through there and and being able to to meld together all these different uh genres or sounds like i had a girl on the podcast uh named baby and she's like this hip-hop metal fusion she's from nashville you know what i mean and it's like if you would have told me that you know when i was growing up no nashville is dolly parton it's you know it's a country place so it is really cool to see that it has evolved so much and um like you said there's some really dope venues down there like the end and all Mm -hmm. these kind of iconic um venues with like the bridgestone arena and all that that it doesn't matter where you're coming from in the music space. Like there is something for you in Nashville. Yeah, I think so for sure. I mean, we've spent a lot of time as nightly in LA as well. Um, Like I'd say like the first half of being a band, we spent the majority of it actually in LA and making music. And that's just where a lot of our team was based out of and a lot of our, um favorite collaborators and stuff and yeah the two scenes are so different and it's so interesting because i remember when we first started in 2016 being from nashville was kind of like what are you doing out there you know like you need to be everybody's out here and now i mean maybe this is a a post-pandemic thing as well but so many people from la from from the music scene out there moving out here and i don't know you know 100 percent what what that is i mean i know obviously la is super expensive but right <laughs> there's also just like a culture here of um it, it's a different culture like people people definitely work earlier and then kind of end earlier as well whereas like la i mean i've been in sessions out there where you know session starts at like seven seven to ten p.m and then doesn't end till like four or five in the morning you know and that yeah. doesn't really happen out here so i think maybe maybe some people are seeking more of that uh balance of life where it's like okay I actually can exist outside of like being in the studio but yeah no genre wise it's it's been cool and I think it'll always be like the country music you know it'll it'll wave the country flag but even country I feel like is changing so much in 
just the genre itself where it's yeah. like at times it's pop leaning like i said at times there's more of a hip-hop influence like 808s and stuff and the people that make those types of beats are like a lot of the people from la maybe that have moved here or whatever so yeah it's cool dude there, there's a lot of a lot of cool music here so it's, it's a great time in history to be here as well because i do think it has shifted so much like it has like i shouldn't say shifted like it's lost its old thing but it's also right. it's just more sort of expanded you know yeah and i i think that's you know the the key to staying relevant in any sort of industry but especially the music industry whether we're talking about you know the cities or an artist like being able to evolve and expand your sound you guys have have done that over the years as well where you know if someone listens to the very first song that you ever put out to your most recent track like i do like there's yes it's still the same band but there's definitely differences between what production levels you had what instrument levels you had you know things like that and i think you know it's unfortunate that the the gatekeepers still exist you know like we were just talking about um me going and seeing fallout boy the number of fans that still wanted fallout boy from 2006 that were there yeah. you know what i mean and i'm like guys they're they're pushing 40 now like do you understand they're not the same kids <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i know that's probably i would imagine uh for a band like that that's always going to be kind of tough you know when when you try and go somewhere else I, like i don't know I, they've obviously had a ton of success shifting as well but i I feel, I feel especially with bands of of that band and similar bands like they're kind of always going to be wanting that old thing which is is interesting i don't know you know I, who knows if there's like a right or a wrong answer but it seems like it's it's working out okay with them well i think you know obviously we live in corporate america so everybody wants to make millions of dollars right and realistically fallout boy probably has but there's different levels to the success too, right? Like at the end of the day, as long as people are still paying attention and listening and engaging with it, the money is nice, but it's not necessarily the driving and deciding factor on my art. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, yeah, it shouldn't be, you know, in an ideal world, I think, I think anytime you're doing it other than just for the like sheer enjoyment or, like the need to do it like the catharsis of it then it's it's a, a bit of a dangerous world and i certainly like you know i'm i'm i can't say that i'm super well versed in in maybe fallout boys like i'm not a diehard you know whatever right. but i do know the feeling of like you fell in love with a band for a certain thing and they've kind of you know I, people use the terms like they've sold out and it's like you know sort of more of like a mainstream type thing and I don't know. That's, that's tough. You know, I think, um, I, I, I don't really, again, I don't know that like enough about their specific situation right. to say, but you do, you do hate, I mean, like, yeah, there's so many bands that you could say have kind of evolved to be maybe more of what pop radio is in 2023. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's just kind of, case by case situation you know it's like Coldplay has done it and for some reason I still love it you know and then Maroon 5's done it and I'm like I don't love it you know what I mean yeah. like, like that old 
old first record i'm like I'm like man we still need that band you know what i mean um so i don't know it's, it's tough dude but yeah you probably get to a certain point and you're like all right ready to cash that check but then like there's so many bands that haven't and you're just like you're still a cool band and you guys are in your 40s or 50s like i think that's so dope yeah and you know the the whole sellout thing like obviously i understand it to some extent but like it's so weird to me too when people talk about oh this band sold out or whatever and it's like didn't didn't you want your favorite band to get popular so that they'll continue to make music like why are yeah. you mad at them for doing what's making them successful yeah 100 and I, I don't really i don't necessarily believe in that term i mean i think there's there's definitely people whose motivation behind decisions is making money which for, sure. for one is just a reality of humans you know it's like yeah. you need to make money to survive uh but i think that you know pop music is not selling out like i think that being pop or being popular like i can't i mean i i've been fortunate enough to work with some amazing artists um and written some songs that have, have done some cool things and there's nothing cooler than like thousands of people from you know the philippines or wherever singing like a song like that like connecting with something and crying to lyrics like that's that's a really special thing you know so the fact that people get you know hate for it like i don't know like it's it's funny too i kind of had that moment um of like i, I guess my eyes opened when <clears throat> joe and i this is this is before nightly this is kind of when we first moved to town before the band started we knew we were always trying to like you know make music find ways to make music before we sort of found nick and and put the thing together but one of the things that we did was we volunteered for um this organization called musicians on call and it's a basically a program where you know once a week or whatever you'd go to like hospitals and they take you around and like you know you perform music like acoustically right yeah and uh it's really like special experience very like um yeah just just a very cool program but i remember they they have basically like a sheet of songs to choose from like cover songs right because they don't want you playing like you know whatever and you try and pick the coolest ones off the list right <laughs> right or like get a song approved and that that might be you know not quite as popular but something that you think is cool right like a, you know a radio yeah. song or a weezer song or something like that yeah <laughs> but i'll never forget when we did like the the children's hospital one we one time decided we were going to throw like a one direction song in there that was on the list and I, dude, like, it didn't matter the, like, race, condition of the kid, age of the kid. Like, you play that song, and they were, like, lit up, and it was, it was universal. It transcended, yeah. like, just, it transcended, like, culture in a way, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that, to me, was, like, wow, this song is so powerful, and so many people, like, shit on that band you know because of oh like whatever boy band all this stuff but you're like dude that 
that band has affected so many people. Maybe they're not in your particular age group or whatever your taste, but it's like, right. that's, that's really a, a special thing. So when bands do achieve that, like fall out boy and have hits, it's like, I think it's, uh, I don't know. I think it's sad that people bash. I, I, I understand it, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, it's definitely a, a, a very interesting thing. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's obviously going to happen too, because it's, you know, again, human nature and people want to hold tight to the things that are nostalgic to them and, and make them feel safe or whatever. So I get it from that aspect. It was just, it's an interesting thing though, when you go to, man, that venue I think is probably pushing 12,000 people for the venue that I was at. And to yeah. see people that are like, you know they only played five songs off their first album it's like first off that's still five songs off the first album yeah like, which is a lot. yeah that's a lot for this uh, band that's been together for 20 plus years now at this point and yeah. that has eight albums nine albums um but it was just it was such a weird dynamic because it was like are you holding on to it because you wish that you were still that age when that song came out yeah. or because you just you know what i mean it it's so weird. I don't know what the, the reasoning behind it is, but I think to your point with like transcending, um, you know, age, gender, race, conditions, things like that, like ultimately that's the goal of anyone, right? Like you, yeah. you mentioned the Philippines earlier, like to have a song that in any other foreign language where English is not the primary language for them to learn your song is like, okay, time out, what's happening here? Like, this yeah. is not real life. It is, yeah. It's 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 a crazy thing. Music, yeah, music's a a powerful thing for sure. Yeah, uh, let's talk a little bit about you guys have been working on the the new music and you know kind of dripping some stuff out here recently. So so far in twenty twenty three, you've got a a few new singles. Um, walk us through kind of this next stage of the project. You've got um, technically out in 2023 so far kind of where where are you guys mentally with what you want to do and as gross as it sounds as a business where are you at with what you want to do as far as putting out the new record things like that yeah man um you know I've been kind of saying this about this record cycle but I really feel um that we're what we're doing now is so is so where we are right now like it's very much kind of like a journal entry a chapter in time we spent the majority of the last year at 2022 on the road and we had probably like three months at home nine months on the road type of thing i don't know the exact split maybe it's it's um a little less but and we so we knew we kind of knew we were going to be home during a chunk and we wrote a bunch of music we had a dropbox folder of maybe 20 25 songs and then the plan was always to because i feel like we're all recovering still like in the music industry from covid where it's like okay we want to get back to headlining back to the normal album cycle as opposed mm -hmm. to just singles and EPs that um, 
some some of us got like that we kind of got stuck in last year the last couple years but um so that was kind of the plan right was like right during this chunk touring a bunch and then finish that up put it out well we all kind of got through playing however many you know shows last year maybe 100 120 shows whatever it was and felt like after and we were on tour with this band called the midnight i don't know if you're familiar with them or not um really cool band like you know almost like 80s synth wave revival type thing super talented musicians like and they've they've kind of like built this thing where it's like this cult following and and i don't know i I just feel like we learned so much from them as a band that's like flying under the radar and just doing what they want to do and being like completely independent and super nice humans but we just kind of felt like playing live that much especially after not playing live too much the previous years was like informing the music that we wanted to make so we we sort of decided at the end of the year we were going to scrap everything that we had written before in the studio and kind of take a new approach in the studio moving forward for this album which was just plug in your instruments like you did when you were in fifth grade and turn it up as loud as your ears can handle and just um so and that was so that was sort of like our mantra and um as far as like releasing the the album making the album it's kind of like it feels very much like this is what we just wrote this is what's like on our minds as opposed to maybe previous stuff that we had written you know you'll write a song and then it takes a year for it to come out for whatever reason maybe to be a part of a, a, a body of work or whatever this is all kind of new stuff for us and and i think somebody in in a different interview asked like what uh because you know uh they asked what era are we in right now right um yeah <laughs> and i was like to me i think it's kind of like our evolving era you know it's leaving because we really started the band and made a lot of the early music just on a laptop in an apartment in a very limited um capacity yeah and so you know, and, and we were like kind of thrown into that like bedroom pop genre or whatever. And I think for us, it was just sort of now we're sort of getting out of that a little bit and getting back to like the things that we loved when we were kids, you know, just jamming. So there would be days where we wouldn't even write a song. We would just jam, you know, for six hours. Um, so, yeah, and then rolling it out, like I can honestly say there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of, I don't want to say there wasn't a whole lot of thought because it sounds like we don't care, but there wasn't like an agenda behind it other than we know that this music is meant to be played live on our headline tour. We want to get it out into the world. And we could, none of us could agree on like what songs from the album to put out. We actually thought about splitting it up into two albums because there's a lot of songs that we love that, that didn't make it. And, um, we thought we could do that, but we were just like, no, let's just close this chapter and, and like, and move on. But, um, so yeah, we just kind of, we put out Radiohead first, which was in our mind, like the weirdest song, not the weirdest, but like the most different song for us. Yeah. And it's probably the most different song on the albums, a slow 
six eight ballad it's like nobody would ever tell you to put that out as a single but we just felt like man we love this song it feels it feels like early 2000s Coldplay which is you know some of our favorite music and a lot of those bands Keen and Snow Patrol like that type those are those are kind of like the places that I think we're we're going you know because that's the stuff that we we love and this is I think like a stepping stone to that and then we're just super proud of this project because we did it like ourselves and um so it wasn't like yeah I, I mean I'm super happy with everything that we've kind of rolled out and I'm, I'm even more excited for the tour because it was just like made to be played live so I think that's when everything will sort of feel the most rewarding you know that will be like that that for sure will be my favorite part of this whole thing because it's there's always a weird thing about releasing songs in like a silo and it's like you see what's happening on the internet but then right. it's like you know you close the phone and and it's not like a real interaction but getting to play it live is is the best part yeah and i think you know with that intentionality towards the live show too not that these songs don't sound great through a laptop or a phone or whatever but like production wise it changes how you have to record them a little bit too knowing that well when we play this live this is actually where some of these tones are going to be or whatever and yeah. it just feels different you know so um i forget the artist that i was talking to but they told me this has been a couple years ago now i guess but um the album that they were working on at that time like he said every time the producer finished a song the first thing he did was went and played it in his car because he knew that's where people are going to play this music. Yeah. If oh, it yeah. doesn't sound good in my car, then it's not going to sound good. And I think it's interesting because, you know, there's so many times where people, and I guess this is how I feel like it should be too, but they say that the live show is so much better than the album, as good as an album is. And it's like, right, because they want to, to really let you feel the music that way. Yeah, yeah. And that's definitely... That's definitely something that we are trying to work towards as well. Like I would love the albums to feel more like the live, and they'll never feel like that unless it's a live, you know, right. album or something. But there's just like, yeah, there's an energy that is tough to capture. I think for bands in a studio, unless you're working with like a legendary producer, and we're we're producing all of this ourselves, you know. There's definitely some like Kings of Leon records that I think they did such a good job like capturing just like what the band feels like. For us, we're like learning as we go how to capture that feeling better. And uh, I think this is definitely a huge step in that direction compared to some of our old stuff. Um, but yeah, the car, the, the car test is a very important. That's what people call it. It's like, I got to give it the car test. Like, does it bump in the car? If not, then got to fix something. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, if, you know, especially for me, even it's a 30 minute commute to work. So, yeah. you know, if I'm going to be trapped in the car for 30 minutes, I better have good stuff to listen to on the way. So hundred percent. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about, again, kind of feels gross thinking about it as a business, but uh, the analytics and Spotify side of things specifically, because I have those numbers pulled up. Um, the interesting point is that you guys have about 162 
thousand followers on Spotify, but it's seven hundred and almost uh, seven hundred and seventy-three thousand monthly listens, and that goes back into the the playlisting that we were talking about. I guess the question I have is kind of the follower number. How important is that to you versus the listener number? In the sense that obviously Spotify is not a true social media. So like, does it matter that they don't follow you on there as long as they're listening? You know what I mean? Would you prefer the follows too? So that updates and stuff get pushed. Yeah, that's a great question. I am... I try not to get too involved in in some of the numbers things just because again I think one of the things that I've learned in the you know six and a half or so years that we've been doing it is like the results are just out of our control you know yeah. and I tried you know we, I don't make the music for the results obviously it's very rewarding and fulfilling when things connect and do well, you know, and you have a song that does super well. But to me, I would, I mean, I guess I would say the thing that probably means the most of just what you ask would be the followers, right? Because you're people who are liking you enough to actually take that extra step and all that, you know, um, I don't know why those two numbers are like so different, but it is that way for everybody. If you look at any artist, it's so different. Um, I have no idea how any of that works, but I think that you can at least count on those people that do follow as like, okay, this is, you know, this is somebody who's a fan of what you're doing and they don't just maybe have one song in their playlist or something. Um, Right. So I, I think that, that that means that means more to me than whatever other, you know, monthly listeners or um, any of that stuff. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't know what the right answer is either on it, you know, as far as like why they're so vastly different other than potentially playlists and, you know, people save playlists or whatever. But um, I think it's interesting, though, when you start to see the the spikes in single releases and stuff like that, where, you know, oh man, this one really popped off. And it it's easy to get a little defeated if you are paying too close attention to the numbers. So kudos to you for not, because then you're like, man, that, that took off. You know, we had a million streams in a month and we got 14 followers. Like what, how does that work? You yeah. Know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I have no idea. And I think everybody uses the streaming services differently, right? Like, I don't know if I follow any artists, you know, (laughs) I honestly don't know. Um, Because I'll maybe I don't know if if you have their music saved, if that counts. I I don't you actually have to click, like you have to go to their artist profile and click follow. Yeah, yeah. right. So I mean, that that's like, that just goes to show you like i i think everybody uses the platform differently and and so i don't i don't know it, yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah it's it's all still like relatively new in like the course of like time you know spotify's only really been around for or popular for the last maybe 5 6 years or something so yeah yeah i would agree with that 
Um, let's talk about this tour a little bit. Obviously, we want to promote that. So uh, kicking off here in October, uh, running through about mid-November, A, what's it like, you know, kind of getting that opportunity again um, to really say that this is us, we're, we're ready and capable of headlining shows again, and we want to get out there. Yeah, it's, it's really special, man. I mean, we, we did a handful, we did like a East Coast headline tour last year, and then um, another headline tour right before things shut down in 2020. And it's just, it's just so special. I mean, we, we've opened up for some massive rooms, you know, done some huge shows as openers that we're super grateful for. You know, we, op- we just, in February did, uh, it was Imagine Dragons, uh, Kane Brown and us, and we played at the Suns Arena, you know, yeah. you know, to, I don't even know, 12, 15,000 people. We've done some really cool things, but <clears throat> playing to your fans no matter the size of the room is just the ultimate like rewarding experience it's so much better dude and i always say this because our first headline tour you know is basically the smallest size rooms that you can do right like right you know um hi-fi and um all those like you know 100 200 cap clubs and stuff playing to 150 200 of your fans who are singing every word is better than playing to you know 10,000 people who like and that those those are important to build to right headline thing but um and they're still fun but it's a different kind of fun um because there's an exchange of energy right like when you're opening you're just like you know busting your ass like trying to put on the best show possible to like you know, impress these people. Right. And then when you're playing to your audience, it's like you're giving, you're giving everything and they're giving everything back. And so there's yeah. like an equal exchange, you know? Um, so dude, we're, yeah, we're super pumped about it. We're doing, um, we're, pre- we go pretty, we go pretty intense on the details of like the production and stuff. And we're really, again, fortunate to just be at a level where we can take out some really cool production for this tour. And we're getting into some cool rooms, you know, playing like Fonda in LA. And when you're like looking at venues and most of them are like, you know, over a thousand, you know, it's like, man, this is super cool, especially just thinking about not that long ago, you know, one of our last, our last true US headline tour was to you know, I think the biggest venue probably would have been like three, 400. Um, so yeah, we're, we're pumped, man. And we, we're involved in all the details, like the set design, the production, the lights, um, all that stuff. We're very, like a very hands-on band. So we're kind of like just in the weeds right now with like, what's the set list? What's the set design you know what what are we going to do to kind of like step it up from what we did you know this past november yeah yeah um, one of the ways i've heard the uh opener versus headliner thing described is when you're opening you're playing to gain fans when you're headlining you're playing to thank fans Mm. because those are the people that 
truly care about you and you know already know about you whatever so no i love that yeah it's a really cool way to start thinking about it because it's like not that you want it to feel like a job by any means but that's what it really kind of is is when i'm opening i'm doing my job i'm out here i'm trying to gain fans i'm hyping the crowd up whatever but when i'm on a headlining tour i'm getting to thank the people for allowing me to do my job 100 percent, and that's very much what it you know what it what it feels like when you're doing the headline shows so i love that i'm gonna i'm gonna steal that yeah go for it (laughs) um that's really almost everything i've got for you so what i want to do towards the end is always you know we want to promote everything that you've got going on um so it's the the shameless plug section for you obviously we'll link all the social medias and everything for you too but um what do you want to tell fans that are you know maybe just discovering you thinking about coming out to a show my big thing on thinking about coming out to a show is drive. If they're not coming exactly to your town, it's still okay yeah. to drive a couple hours. Uh, yeah. But yeah, just, you know, the shameless plug, man, go for it. No, nah, man, we just feel so lucky. I mean, you know, we're still, I still feel like the same, you know, 12 year old kid who's like buying a Fender Squire for a hundred bucks, you know, saving up money to buy one and play with my cousin, you know, and I still do that, you know, and it feels now like I have two cousins because Nick, Nick just fits into the, the group so well, our drummer. Um, so yeah, I think just anybody listening, whether you're checking us out, you just found one of our new songs for the first time or a collab, or you've been a fan since 2016, you know, we just, we feel so fortunate um, for all of our fans. And I think most of them know what we've got going on and those who don't come to the tour, it's going to be sick. And uh, yeah, new album coming out August 25th. Yeah, dope. I'm looking forward to it. I looking at the list, I think I'm going to try to make uh, the Chicago date in October playing at the Metro, one of my favorite venues up in Chicago. Um, it's a dope. Sick, I've never been, you, yeah, I've never been there. Is that, is that a cool one? It's a, it's a dope little room, man. It's I say little, but like it's a dope setup, especially in Chicago. You're going to be right near Wrigleyville, the whole nine yards. Yeah. Sick. Awesome, dude. Well, looking forward to seeing you in person, Josh. Thank you so much for the time, man. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time to to have this conversation with me, and we'll we'll definitely stay in touch around it. Sick. Awesome, dude. Take care. Thank you. Yep. And that was my conversation with Johnny of the band Nightly. Really want to thank him for taking the time to have that conversation with me um really want you guys to get over and check out their shit they have a brand new album getting ready to drop uh in just a couple days as of this episode going live so be sure you jump over check that out um as always we'll have all the socials and everything linked in the description of this podcast so be sure that you go give them a like share subscribe follow uh do all the free shit so that they can see where everybody's from and you know as they build out these future tours um they can kind of use that information to decide what cities to come to or come close to um they are going on tour very very soon so go check out that uh part of their socials and whatnot see if you can make a show uh like i said (laughs) there at the end too it's impossible for any band to get to whatever the absolute closest town to you is uh to play a show so you know they're driving all over the place you know many times four to five to eight hours 
overnight to make the next show. So if you have to drive an hour or two hours, something like that, um, fucking do it. You know, if it's a band that you enjoy or want to support, it means more to them than you will ever really understand. Um, so just please, again, if, if it's coming close to you, get out, check out the tour. Um, let us know in the, the comments what you thought about this episode. Let, uh, let Nightly know, too. If you start following them or discover new music, uh, you know, from them or whatever and become a fan, let them know that you listen to the podcast and that's where you came from. Um, I think that'd be really dope for them to know that this conversation hit you guys and, and directed you over to them. So that's everything I've got for you on this episode. As always, I really appreciate everything that you do for me and this podcast and, you know, all the support that you've shown me. So, um, tons of new stuff coming up. There's probably going to be a minor break in the podcast as far as a week or two with no episodes. I've been insanely busy. Uh, the schedule's been blocked out because of concerts and stuff like that. So I haven't had time to, uh, meet with anybody lately, but I promise there's a ton of new episodes coming just as soon as I can get them uh, squared away for you. So please, <coughs> you know, just stay tuned. Uh, lots of cool stuff coming. I promise I will try to start working on the YouTube more as well. Uh, I think some people really enjoy that video format as well. So uh, as always, guys, remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene. <laughs>